You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon yeah. and welcome he's, to America's Web Radio. And as I have promised folks most of his time today uh, on Twitter and on Facebook wow. and but any place you know, else I could uh, sneak into, we're starting a new show. I guess and wraps as it up owner of the station, in the world. I get to do things that other people don't get to do. And one of the things that I'm doing is introducing the new show, and it's going to be called... Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storms. And um, the reason for this is just like most of our shows here at America's Web Radio. It's because, and then you can put whatever else after it you want to, but it's because I realize that in my association with my heroes, which are veterans from, from many wars, going back to, I think I could almost go back to the Civil War. Maybe I could go back to the Revolutionary War when, when we put powder in our guns. But anyway, um, I realized that Desert Storm and Desert Shield are, were already being forgotten by civilians that have never served and or by our population. And I thought, wait a second, th- this, is, this is wrong. This is terribly wrong. It's, it's as wrong as... A middle school, I went to junior high school, which is the same stuff, but the junior high schools today have history books that dedicate all of three pages to World War II, and that just messes up my head. So anyway, with that being said, decided that we needed to make sure that Desert Shield and Desert Storm veterans and all of the people that were here and helped and supported our troops, that it's never forgotten. And it's as big a part of history as anything else. So who better to do a show like this? <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry, folks, I, I should be more respectful. I should be standing up instead of sitting down. But we're, we're honored and flattered and very blessed to have General Richard Dix that's going to be doing our show and um, he's sitting across from me right now and we've already had uh, about 45 minutes of good conversation about this that and many other things and we even mentioned desert storm i think a few times but it's it's a pleasure to have you as part of the family now and looking forward to working with you and putting out the message that america's web radio supports our veterans and not only that, but we want to work with them, too. And we will in any way. We work with Johns Creek uh, Veterans Association, I was corrected on. And uh, we also work with, um, and he's only a colonel, but we work with a guy named Rick White that's a retired colonel from, uh, uh, he, he and uh, Paul started the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And uh, the gentleman across from me right now is in the Hall of Fame. And uh, it just, (laughs) I told you when we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, there are a few people that I feel this way about. Uh, Melania Trump would be one, but besides that, and they're just in awe when you walk in the door. It's incredible. And uh, thank you for your service. And if if we had all military folks like the general, and I should just say sir, um, we'd be in a lot better shape than we are today. But thank you for your service, and thank you for agreeing to do the show. And we're going to keep Desert Storm and Desert Shield in people's minds. Absolutely. And uh, thank you, David. It's, it's an honor to be here. I'm very humbled for the uh, opportunity. And um, over 540,000 of uh, my teammates uh, deployed uh, back in the early 90s uh, to defend and extricate Saddam Hussein out of uh, Kuwait and to protect um, the natural resources in the region that supplied the world, you know. And one of the greatest things is that um, it was a a coalition of the willing, and uh, we had... uh, 
partners from around the world that participated in Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And I, I think just like you, it's very important uh, not to forget. Uh, he who forgets his past is doomed to repeat it. And uh, there are a lot of lessons learned that came out of Desert Storm that we've been applying uh, ever since. And over my 30-year, 34-year career, uh, we employed, employed a lot of those lessons as we went back to the Middle East. And um, as we are now sending forces uh, back into Iraq to uh, counter the uh, current threat from Iran and Hezbollah, uh, a lot of those lessons will be taken back uh, with our troops and the training and the tactics and techniques and procedures that uh, we learn from Desert Storm and that we apply now uh, all around the world uh, is going to be uh, huge and very important. And, uh, you know, the thing that I need to say uh, to the men and women that are on the front lines today is uh, keep the faith. Uh, we're praying for you, we're pulling for you, and we support you 1,000%. And uh, you pray that the senior leadership of this great nation will uh, take a moment to take into consideration uh, how precious the nation's national treasure is before you put it into harm's way. And, uh, you know, I pray that each night that uh, the leaders will take a step back to think about what they're doing, why they're doing it, and uh, why we're sending our troops uh, into harm's way. You said something that, <clears throat> you know me and my nasty hardball questions, but um, no, something that you said that I'm, I'm curious about is that, that uh, what we learned in Desert, basically Desert Storm was the war, Desert Shield was the, the build-up the build up to mm -hmm. it. But you said that we're taking lessons learned and my question is and I, and quite frankly it's been a question many times and you know better I have no idea grunts don't get the important stuff we just get to do the grunt work <laughs> but anyway um, what what is and I don't know a better way to say it than what's the overlapping and when you say we're taking lessons learned back mm -hmm. what is the am I asking it from the standpoint of from the Pentagon or politicians or what is the overlapping that is taking people like yourself that were active in Desert Storm and going now to the lessons going back in mm -hmm. what, what is the overlapping procedure like if that makes sense how do, how do we know that the guy like yourself mm -hmm. you're, you're retired so how are they taking your message back? Well, you know, I I, I think it uh, it's it, you can watch the evolution of our equipment and how we've matured and uh, research and development has developed new uh, equipment to combat the uh, evolution of warfare. You know, we uh, first saw uh, landmines and uh, anti-personnel mines that were the precursors to today's IEDs. And, uh, you know, when you have a superiorly uh, techno technologically uh, force uh, going against uh, someone with lesser technology, they find ways to take advantage of that technological, uh, that technological uh, gap. And um, the, the folks that we faced in Desert Storm um, – counter were the precursors, and uh, you know one of the things that uh, we talked about earlier was uh, President Bush um, said hey the goal is to get Saddam out of Kuwait and not move past a certain point uh, into Iraq because uh, we did not want to take over the country of Iraq we just wanted to expel him out and then contain him from that point so um, you know, just like we had folks on the ground taking lessons learned and capturing those and preparing new uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures, they had it too. And, uh, you know, so you start seeing that evolution. Um, you had uh, folks that, you know, read history books just like uh, we read history books. So they saw what the Viet Cong were doing in the North Vietnamese against uh, a superior force in Vietnam, and they started taking some of those 
uh, tactics and techniques and starting to employ them. So what we did was um, the evolution of the Humvee came about, uh, and the Humvee was a great uh, asset, a vehicle uh, that was able to do a lot as far as mobility on the battlefield. But once again, you know, uh, the enemy is very observant. So how do you uh, counter the Humvee, the mobility, and the speed of the attack? Well, you slow it down by uh, burying IEDs and look for uh, what we call overmatch of uh, that technology with the IEDs. And uh, they did a great job of countering that piece of equipment. So what did we have to do? We had to come up with a solution that was born out of uh, paying close attention to what was happening uh, in combat, similar to what was happening in Desert Storm, and uh, the MRAP, the mine-resistant uh, anti-ambush uh, vehicle, came about. And But in the beginning, it had a flat hole. So, you know, they just packed more explosives in there, and they started defeating that piece of equipment. So we had to come up with the V-Hull, and that deflected the explosives, and it gave us the tactical advantage. And so you apply those lessons, um, you know, painful as they are, but you apply them as quickly as you can. And uh, one of the things that came out was that we changed our research development and uh, our uh, ability to bring new pieces of equipment to the battlefield much faster uh, as a result of what we learned in Desert Storm. And what we learned in OIF, OEF, one through five, and as you uh, mature that. But, you know, one of the things that we talked about also earlier is that, um, you know, our adversaries have eyes forward watching how, you know, uh, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, uh, the Iraqis were dealing with us in the Middle East looking for vulnerability that they may exploit at a later date. And everybody has them. Absolutely. That that MRAP, if we're talking about, and and I was out, I saw one at Fort Leonard Wood. Um, That's that big sucker that that has wheels that look like they're off of, uh, I don't know, from outer space. They're huge. Mm -hmm. And uh, it also has the sides that wouldn't, would... um, if if it was directly a missile was directly shot at it, mm-hmm. it would still deflect. It has the ability of deflection with just the siding on. Right, it has some anti armor, anti missile defeating capability. That sucker uh, is big. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I hate to see the. I'd hate to see the what size the guy is that's driving that thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. Uh, it's men and women soldiers uh, driving that thing and, and with great skill you know um, that that vehicle is designed to to have the crew compartment survive a, uh, a blast from IED so is it basically taken over as a APC or uh, sort of you know you still have uh, the Bradleys the tanks and uh, APCs and the next generation of the APCs that are being developed now that are in your armored formations and stuff. Uh, you know, um, in this one, our infantry rise to battle along with the Bradleys and the other uh, infantry carrying vehicles. But uh, it's a tool that gets us from point A to point B much faster so you can uh, take full advantage of the shock and awe that uh, the technology brings. Plus, uh, and I'm assuming, I had, because I wasn't there and uh, wouldn't have have the information but i'm assuming they are all also escorted by our air force be it helicopters or be it the regular mm-hmm. air force in some way or the other mm-hmm. um so it's you know do we take one step forward and two steps forward or do we take one step forward and two steps backwards no, the, the goal is uh, to keep pressing forward and not take any steps backwards. Uh, uh, this is something we were talking. Excuse me, mm-hmm. something we were talking about earlier, though, and, and this and it concerns me. We went into Vietnam naked. We had no, in my opinion, mm-hmm. we really. Gosh, what's all that green stuff? You know, <laughs> how do how what do we do with all that? How, what, and our weapons. 
why is my weapon hanging up on a vine? Mm-hmm. You know, and so forth and so on. But and like you said, we should have learned from that, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that you got to know the territory. And when I was in in uh, going through AIT, you know, we were we talked about it, but it didn't look like we did anything about it. But you got to know. You've got to be advised of what you're going into, and and do you feel like we were advised really in going into uh, Iraq and Kuwait that of of what we were going to be facing in the desert, as opposed to the last thing we had faced was Vietnam. So mm-hmm. now we're in the desert. Duh, <laughs> ain't, ain't many vines in the desert. I right. don't think. Well, you know, as as we talked about earlier, the National Training Center out at Fort Irwin, California is the uh, premier training base that prepares you for that type of warfare. And, um, you know, right before Desert Shield, we had gone on uh, two rotations to the National Training Center in uh, 1987 and 88, well, early 1989, I should say. And then the following uh, summer, you're in the deserts of uh, Saudi Arabia preparing along with the rest of the coalition to extricate uh, Saddam out of Kuwait. So um, a, a lot of the goodness that comes out of training, hard, realistic training, prepares you for the eventuality of combat. And uh, the greatest aspect of uh, Army leadership or military leadership is you train hard in training. I mean, you invest a lot of blood, sweat, and tears so you don't die in combat or you have the uh, opportunity to uh, execute your mission and make it home safely and stuff. With that, we're going to take our first break. We'll be back with General Richard Dix right after this. And the show, we're going to be calling it Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And as we leave for a break, I just want to, again, salute all of our veterans, all of our military, past, present, and future. And the military is a great future if you'll just... Take advantage of it. We'll be back right after this. Good morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation, ribbon-cutting ceremony, and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project. You can donate at jcvets.org. I'm Patty Levan. Multi-Line Mortgage Services, Inc. Call us for details about our conventional loans with as little as 3% down or talk to us about our FHA, VA, and USDA loan options. We answer your questions with honesty and integrity because that's how we roll. Multi-Line Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilinemortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed Georgia and Florida. to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to America's Web Radio. And our show is Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And we have 
who I consider certainly an expert on it, is General Richard Dix, who's going to be doing the show. And um, we were just talking about some of the guests that uh, you'll you want to have in, and also, I, I don't I, well. I can't say I have generals coming over to my house every night, but um, I do know some other officers uh, in the colonel range and so forth that, that we've talked about different stuff. And uh, I want to put a plug in again for uh, John's Creek and uh, Mike Mazel, who's the leader out there, that uh, is putting together the healing wall, the Vietnam replica of the uh, Vietnam Wall in Washington. And we've talked a little bit, but about a number of things. And it just, to me, it's just so important to keep our veterans in the forefront and people, mm-hmm. people respecting. And it's certainly different from coming back from Nam. But um, you were talking about the lessons learned. Let me put you on the spot. What, what is the most important lesson that General Dix learned? from being in Desert Storm and Desert Shield? Ah, the most important lesson learned, uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. can't trust grunts. That uh, then Lieutenant uh, Dix learned. Um, that you had to be a true master of your craft um, if you were going to be a career soldier because of the importance of uh, the mothers and fathers, what they entrust to uh, military leadership, and that's the uh, what I consider, and what most consider, the nation's greatest treasure, our uh, young people. And uh, you know, I had good examples and bad examples of uh, leadership during Desert Storm. That uh, I made sure that I filed what I saw, and um, and made sure that I trained hard. I kept my body, my mind, and my spirit in total balance, and. I took those lessons learned forward and said if I ever was blessed to lead organizations, that I would make sure that we were properly trained, uh, we were properly outfitted, we had the equipment necessary, and that we were able to evolve uh, in the space during a uh, rotation or in combat to make sure that my goal was to get everybody home. I was just thinking uh, one of of the lessons that... uh that you fought something that in a war that no one else had ever fought before called the ultimate use of computers and cell phones and <laughs> you know so you you know and I'm, and we laugh about it but it's it's true i'm sure you had mm-hmm. to make some policies up and pass them down the line mm-hmm. pass them down the chain and say okay I'm not going to go through and take everybody's cell phone away, but yep. it's sort of like in in Nam and and like I've said over and over, I did not go to Nam, but a lot of friends did. But one of the big things in uh, my training was you don't light a cigarette in in the dark. Amen. Hello. Amen. <laughs> you know? But that's the same. You don't turn on your cell phone in the middle of the night. Yep. All of that still holds true today, and um, you're absolutely correct. Uh, one of the things was uh, keeping young soldiers and and personnel, period, off of Facebook, and you know, um, taking video of the Ford operating base where you may be, and you know, uh, running a blog in the middle of combat, you know, because uh, other people watch that, and the enemy is doing the same thing that we're doing, looking for intel uh, through social media and other sources uh, to find out exactly where you're at, what you're doing, and how things are inside of the forward operating bases. And they want to know if they're impacting you uh, in the right way so they can change some of their tactics, techniques, and procedures to make sure that they can win and carry the day. You're such a young person to have attained the rank of general, but and and the truth is, I know you were in in Desert Storm and, and Desert Shield when you were twelve. But anyway, <laughs> did you ever, in your wildest imagination, growing up, think that that you'd be? I don't want to say playing a game because it wasn't a game by any means, mm-hmm. but but having to compete with computers and 
and cell phones, Dick Tracy cell phones and all the rest of the stuff? No, um, you know, uh, when I was growing up, we didn't have that technology. You know, uh, the computer was just coming on age when I was uh, a freshman in college. And, uh, oh, come you know, on, you're not that old. <laughs> I wish, but, you know, you didn't have that. But um, one of the good things that um, a leader does is he's able or she's able to absorb those that are around them. And, uh, you know, if you're an effective leader, you will take input from the lowest soldier in your formation to the highest ranking soldier in your formation. And, and um, you know, it's the constant thirst for knowledge that uh, shapes today's battlefield because it's so, uh, I mean, it travels beyond the speed of light. You know, I can pick up the cell phone and send a text and, you know, it will be the formation moving across uh, the terrain and, you know, I can have an opposing force set and ready to go with an ambush before those guys even know what's what's going to hit them and stuff. And that's this technology. Isn't well, guess amazing? what? The energy does the en- the enemy does the same thing with their technology, and it's truly amazing. And uh, and to think that the phone that you just held up has more power, computer power, mm-hmm. than the satellite than, than the guys landing on the moon. Absolutely, it's just. I'm sorry, I'm not very smart, and all that kind of stuff just boggles my mind. Mm. It messes my head up to think about it, but, okay, did you bring your crystal ball with you? (laughs) Uh, So, we have this technology that's uh, in a Star Wars technology, Mm -hmm. almost, type of thing. What's the next step, in your opinion? Well, you know, uh, the, the power of this handheld computer a.k.a. Android or iPhone, in, in, in the use hands of today, you know, uh, those that were born in the 2000s, this is all they've known, you know, and this technology for them is powerful, and it's constantly evolving and changing, and a lot of these young people are right at the forefront of the evolutionary change. You know, one of the things that uh, we discussed is our senior leaders have got to do a better job of understanding the ramifications of some of their decisions in a social media impacted world where it gets out and it travels beyond the speed of light uh, in the next 10 minutes a decision that was made in some part of the world that was captured on one of these phones and now you're dealing with the blowback from that you know uh, in wars past you know it took 30 or 40 days for that information to get back from the war front to home station and you can find out what happened at, at a battle but now with this capability you know uh, our adversaries do a great job of um, the information campaign where they'll video an ambush or something to show that they're affecting but they also manipulate what you see uh, and uh, I'm a firm believer that he who tells the story first and tells the best carries the day and uh, so Beautiful. we've done a better job of the information technology fight and making sure that we get our message out as to what's really happening. You know, it's just like I heard, and, I, and again, I'm too, and I can't imagine it, but that Trump was watching live and direct as the drone was taking out Solanami the other night. Probably. Day, that he was, you know, and, and the the operator of the drone Mr. President, we've got the target. I'm waiting on your your order to fire. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you know that technology has been used, uh, you know, since uh, 9/11, and uh, each uh, administration, each president has had access, uh, along with the intel community, as they uh, watch things unfold. You know. Um, the biggest thing is uh, that I'm concerned with is making sure that we always have a human in the loop and, uh, you know, making a final decision because, uh, you know, there are uh, second and third order effects and uh, results. And, you know, we as a uh, force try to minimize collateral damage at all costs. So, um, you know, there are a lot of things that go into the things that you see. 
I want to. We've got to take a break. I want to come back to that because you just you you scratch my questionnaire on a lot of things, and I'm just a curious old man. Good morning, Vietnam. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I, I, I missed the program. Okay. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> Let's talk Venezuelans. Yes. That's so, every Thursday. Yeah, every Thursday. How, how was your Christmas? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't have no snow here in Georgia. No. It feels like I That's was going to snow like uh, over Saturday. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the tornadobodydryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. Holidays. I'm Patty Levan, owner of Multiline Mortgage Services Inc. Call us for details about our conventional loans with as little as three percent down, or talk to us about our FHA, VA, and USDA loan options. We answer your questions with honesty and integrity because that's how we roll. Multiline Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilinemortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed Georgia and Florida. And we're back on America's Web Radio, and our brand new show, Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and the host of our show is General Richard Dix, and I uh, have all the respect, and you should too. You should be standing, if I have to be standing here talking, you should be standing there listening, and uh, I would suggest that uh, at least attention maybe parade rest would go for that maybe and i know what i'm fixing to do that's a texas term fixing i don't know if you've ever heard it or not but but what i'm i'm about to do i don't know if if ranking officers they'd only hear it through their window but i don't know if you can appreciate this or not You know, I was, and I, I love Jody's, uh, and I was thinking the other, or actually yesterday afternoon, mm-hmm. um, the military... Our military, I can't address anybody else's, but our military is a class in psychology. Mm-hmm. Almost everything they do, just like a Jody. Mm-hmm. You're, you're tired down to, you don't know that your foot can move yep. another inch, and yet here's that big drill sergeant that's, or whoever it is, a first mm-hmm. lieutenant, your platoon sergeant, and whoever. You call him the Jody. And and he comes out starting with a Jody, and everybody falls into singing or not singing, but but uh, what are you to call it? Uh, going with the Jody, and, yep. and all of a sudden you, your legs don't hurt quite as much. Uh, you're going to make it up the hill. You're going to yep. make it through whatever. And but that's psychological warfare from our own. no, <laughs> but no, it, it is. And, and everything the military does, the more I thought about it, mm-hmm. the more it's a class in psychology. Yep. And these people that come out and say, oh, you know, poor old Joe, he he was in Vietnam or or he was in Desert Shield, and he 
Oh, and he came back with with PTSD. Well, folks, PTSD ain't exactly new. It mm-hmm. was uh, shell shocked. Mm-hmm. It was they had PTSD in the Revolutionary War. Yep. And what a lot of folks don't understand: you have a bullet go whizzing by you. And you got a case of PTSD on its way if it's not already there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks in the world, I think it was, uh, I can't remember uh, who who was telling me, Roger Wise maybe or something, mm-hmm. uh, or it may have been Rick, but 1% of the population serve. Mm-hmm. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. That's so... And I, How do you I believe know what we're the I'm only volunteer about. army yeah. in the free world. And uh, somebody's making policy, and how do they know what they're talking about when mm-hmm. they ain't been there, ain't done that? And uh, and and yet, you know, we're we're all the way through basic, mm-hmm. and and AIT. You know, they work on you, mm-hmm. and they work on your heads. That hey, you're not going in alone. You're going in with the the best equipment in the world you're going and it's all psychological building mm-hmm. you up that that um, and and it's beautiful absolutely absolutely you know it's a uh, it's a belief in the person to your left or your right you know and um, I'm a firm believer that uh, that's why the US military has been at the uh, forefront of leading change in this nation is because of uh, the camaraderie that comes out of service. Um, and, you know, we are best when it's all of us together in the same boat, growing in the same direction, you know. And that's when our adversaries have trouble dealing with this nation is when we're unified and we're on one accord. They don't know how to handle that, you know, uh, because they live off of discord and chaos in their country. And uh, and they manipulate uh, things of this nature and free press, and they suppress all of the things that you know um, kind of would prevent them from dealing with the chaos and the dictatorship uh, that they have uh, in their way of life. And when you have a free and prosperous democracy, it you know it's that shining beacon on the hill. That everybody wants to move towards, and uh, that's when this nation is at its best. You're you're probably a lot meaner than me, and I sure don't want you crossing the table and coming after me. But <laughs> you know, my opinion is that a leader like yourself, mm-hmm. going from lieutenant to uh, to general, you didn't do it. You were smart enough to surround yourself by a bunch of folks that I think the term is CYA mm-hmm. and um, they helped you do it absolutely and uh, I think this is something that that's so again so unique about our military mm-hmm. even as stupid as I am if you had ordered or if I was the next person that was supposed to walk walk in your office mm-hmm. and polish your boots then you knew I could do it right because that's what we'd been trained to do, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't. And like you said, the other militaries work on a whole different shape, form, and fashion right. of discipline. And it's you know, it's not not the respect. I mean, we were taught from the time we got in, from the time I got to Fort Ord in the rain, mm-hmm. the respect to, to an officer, right, and to perform at your highest ability. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any other country has anything like what we have. Well, you know, a a lot of it stems from our educational system in the uh, United States military. And, um, you know, other nations look towards our educational system to kind of copy and mimic and, uh, you know. Why not? To copy everything else. No. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Uh, So when you have that, you can depend on those that are below you to know what right is and uh, how to do the things that need to be done. And for us in the uh, United States Army, the backbone of the Army is the non-commissioned, corps, uh, the non-commissioned officer corps, the NCOs. And th- those NCOs uh, shaped me, taught me everything I, I, I learned over the years. And, uh, you know, 
uh, my battle buddy was my command sergeant major. And, uh, you know, my command sergeant majors, I took advice. I listened. You know, uh, we talked, uh, you know, almost all the time, uh, every day in combat. But more importantly, every day in peacetime also. When we were training, you know, it was uh, my platoon sergeants, my first sergeants, and my second sergeants when I was a young lieutenant. You know, and they were like, hey, uh, lieutenant, come over here and uh, let us show you the way this is supposed to be done. And this is how you manage four M1A1 tanks on today's battlefield. And you keep all 16 of us alive and you move us to an objective and you get us back home in one piece. And uh, those are the the life's lessons that you take as you uh, grow up in the military that uh, shape you. Now, you have that same opportunity inside of our uh, civilian sector. You know, we just got to get back to, you know, uh, the things that would uh, allow us to to get together on one accord and operate as a team and uh, utilize a team of team concept or approach. You know, I, I would love to see every young person in this country do two or three years in the military coming out of high school, you know, uh, for nothing else. So you could gain a sense of discipline, sense of camaraderie, and you can get life skills that you can, you know, now turn and employ, uh, whether you go through college or whether you go through um, the uh, corporate 500 uh, structure. But you've got leadership skills that you've gained over those three years. And you've got the GI Bill standing behind you to get you to college, you know, because you may not be able to afford it coming straight out of high school. But, you know, we got to do something to lower the cost of, uh, you know, getting educated in this country and stuff. Utilize all of those uh, tools that are in your tool bag that you discussed earlier about, you know, join the Army and gain discipline, see the world, join the Navy, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, the Marines. But have a sense of service and a willingness to give back to say thank you to what this country and uh, the opportunities that it's afforded you and uh, you know who knows you may uh, love it and uh, do a career like I did you know and now I'm giving back Uh, I've always given back but now I'm giving back in greater ways because I have more time I have a greater appreciation and um, I've got a second mission that uh, I'm able to do in this uniform as opposed to wearing uh, the Army greens. But, you know, it's a great day. Heck, they don't even wear it anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one, one thing I, that, again, you sparked um, or scratched a niche or whatever you want to say, but, and, I, and I respect you for being a wonderful leader, but it's sort of like, the, the ability of the best salesman, quote, end quote, and or the best leader is their ability to ask the right question mm-hmm. of the right person. Mm-hmm. Whether you're selling a product, you don't – I don't know of anybody that can actually sell a product. Mm-hmm. They ask the right question and say, well, I've got the answer to it. I can address that question and give you the product that you need. Mm-hmm. Same way with in the military. Yeah. It's – it's asking whether it's a NCO or, or another O or mm-hmm. whatever, but the ability to ask the right question and then take their advice right. and use it. And uh, I'll be the first to admit there are a whole lot of folks that know a whole lot more about this business than I do, but I do listen. And uh, I appreciate what somebody sees. And, uh, you know, if you're the low man on the totem pole, mm-hmm. chances are. You're probably going to see something that they're not seeing at the top of the totem pole. Absolutely. And you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. You know, uh, <laughs> we're running a thing on the station right now that uh, called idioms. Mm-hmm. I love idioms and mm-hmm. the sayings, you know, and uh, about as useful as a screen door in a submarine or whatever it happens to be, you know. <laughs> But I love those, and uh, we ask people to send them in. I'll also go one steal another minute from you. Mm-hmm. Is that we have asked? I, even though I'm in media, I, I hope I'm not compared to the media in any way. I don't want to be. Uh, but 
We've also asked uh, our president and our first lady have gotten many, many, many bad reps, Mm -hmm. particularly uncalled for from the media and uncalled for as far as our first lady goes. And um, I had a friend from Florida. uh, I don't know how you do it, but anyway, she had had volunteered to go up and help with the Christmas tree Uh and decorate it and stuff. And then the media comes out and gives our first lady grief about wearing blue jeans in the White House. Well, she was working her tail off. Mm-hmm. She couldn't be in a cocktail dress. You know? right. and, um, the lady, my friend said that she was just incredible. She'd come around and she she worked on the tree and then she'd come around, can I get you anything? Can, do you need a sandwich or you need coffee? Whatever, you know, just mm-hmm. tell me. Just yell at me and I'll get it for you right. or I'll get somebody to get it. Anyway, so I've started a, a one-man band of that just take the time and just send our first lady a thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it goes a long way. It's it's the same thing in the airport when you see a service member or right. a first responder in the airport or wherever you see them. Mm-hmm. Just thank them for their service. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it goes... It does more for you than it does for them. Oh, yeah. But it goes a long way. You know. And... And a lot of it, David, uh, goes back to, uh, you know, uh, be careful to cast that first stone if you live in a glass house, you know. So uh, there, there is good uh, within the media, just like there is uh, probably not good uh, that stretches across. Um, a lot of it deals with the ratings and trying to have, uh, you know, the sensationalism that um, – you think drives your uh, your ratings, but more importantly, um, you have to be careful that you don't have the things that divide us. You know, create an even wider divide. You know, because uh, there are reasons that people do what they do, and uh, we've got to look beyond those reasons. And, um, you know, we've got to give the benefit of the doubt where we give the benefit of the doubt. You know, you know when I was in broadcast back many, many years ago, mm-hmm. I'd have been fired in two seconds if I offered my opinion. Uh, it was the news, AP, UPI, and mm-hmm. it was the news. N-E-W-S, not N-O-O-Z, it was the <laughs> news. And um, the truth... Can you can you think of one situation in your career, either Desert Storm, Desert Chill, whenever, that the truth hurt? Hmm. Would you rather replace someone telling you a lie or telling you the truth? No. Uh, you know, we always ask uh, for the truth, you know, uh, because it, there's that, that parable that says, you know, uh, Nothing gets better with bad news. You know, give it to me up front and be honest about it so we can understand what happened, how it happened, and then work on making sure we don't repeat the same mistakes. And, you know, a good leader, he's going to underwrite those mistakes. Um, And you try not to repeat those, you know. But a bad leader will crush people for the slightest uh, miscalculation or – you know, blow something out of proportion, and he or she rules out of fear. We call those toxic leaders. And uh, in today's environment, they have no place uh, because, once again, it's the nation's treasures that you are responsible for. And, you know, for me, it's the greatest honor that you can have is to be in command of the nation's treasures and be responsible for the nation's treasure, you know. And, Understand that you take good, you take bad, you take um, everybody from different backgrounds, different cultures. You know, uh, they only see what they see on the news. You know, and but once they get to know you and they're able to talk to you, it's like, hey, uh, well, they said that you know everybody does this uh, from your background or from where you're from, and it's just the total opposite. Well. You know, uh, it's stereotypes. And the media has a problem with projecting their own stereotypes. You know, uh, I'm born and raised here in Atlanta. 
I'm a Grady baby. Uh, you know, I was told that, you know, at a very young age, you're not going to mount anything. You're probably going to end up in jail just like the rest of the people from your neighborhood. And, you know, but, you know, the society and the nation gave me an opportunity. They allowed me to go to college. They allowed me to join uh, a great ROTC program, graduated. I got a chance to serve, and it's always been a dream to serve. You know, this is all I've ever wanted to do. and uh, But I had to make the right choices to propel myself forward to go. You know, I, I never dreamed that I would reach the height that I, I reached. The goal was always to be the best and to take care of those who I was responsible for. That's, that's all that mattered. Everything else was going to be an addition or, uh, like they say, it's gravy or the icing on the cake. The main goal and the function was to take care of the men and women that I was charged with and to take care of their families and to make sure that they could be all that they could be or they were Army strong. And every day, it was, it was an honor to do that. You know, and I've lost people in combat. And I started to ask if mm-hmm. I can interrupt. I think people, well, one, 99 out of 100 can't imagine that because they haven't been there. But mm-hmm. I was just saying, going to sleep at night mm-hmm. in, a, in a hot zone and knowing that you held so many people's lives in your hands. Mm-hmm. How many aspirin did you have to take? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm teasing about that, but I mean, what a, a responsibility saying, you know, oh, yeah. I've got to make the right decision, mm-hmm. or I could, a hundred people, a thousand people, whatever, could die because I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm trusting, I'm trusting my captains, my majors, my whatever, mm-hmm. to give me the right, and, but, you know, uh, what's the old saying? The buck stops here. And, oh yeah, and it stopped with you. And mm-hmm. and everybody below you saluted and said yes, sir. Yeah. And they went and did what uh, Richard General Dick said to do. And uh, I mean, my God, and your shoulders ain't even that big. <laughs> but, no, they had to be about five feet. You shrunk since yeah. you were there. Oh, yeah. And uh, since I've gone into the retirement, I, I was six foot five when I joined the <laughs> Army at one point in time. But, you know, a prime example is uh, day one in brigade command. I'm back in Afghanistan. And uh, earlier that morning, we had a catastrophic event where a Humvee that had uh, five soldiers in it uh, struck a IED. And it was a catastrophic uh, kill, is what it's called, where everybody in the Humvee uh, died almost instantly, except for the gunner. But he lost everything from the waist down. But he survived and was medevaced to Lonstool. And uh, they were in uh, up-armored Humvees. But like I had talked about earlier, the tactics of the enemy had changed, and they were overmatching our equipment. And we had MRAPs that were on the ground, but they had been damaged. And we were running out of equipment and couldn't get it in fast enough. And the MATVs were being employed, but they had a problem, and they had to have that problem corrected before they could be put into the field. So uh, we developed a concept where we took uh, battle damage repair kits, and we started what is known as the racetrack, where you would put teams of about eight to nine mechanics on each vehicle. They would strip it all the way down to the hole. Uh, they would do the welding, everything necessary, run the wiring harnesses again, put all of the equipment back, and it would be brand new within an X number of days. And we got so well at that, we started perfecting it. And we could get a vehicle that was totally battle damaged back into the fight within seven days. Wow. Here's the key. You had to have or you had to understand who your people were on your team and you had to get them to believe in something better or greater than the individual selves, you know. And we had uh, contract mechanics that were from other parts of the world. And, you know, they were uh, physicists, they were electrical engineers, they were structural engineers. I mean, these guys were brilliant. And I'm walking through the maintenance shop one day, and I said, hey, um, you know, 
why are you here? It's like, hey, sir, uh, we don't have any jobs back in our home country. And, you know, we have to feed our families just like everybody else does. And, you know, uh, one guy said, hey, if you give me the diagram, I can develop a plan to get that back in. So I was like, okay. So we pulled the leadership together. We had a discussion. And we said, hey, this might work. Let's go. And we started employing it. And by the time six months later came around, we were outpacing the enemy's ability to destroy our vehicles and damage them. And we were saving lives. All because we took the time to have a discussion with somebody at a lower rank, understand that he or she had capability, and that we could employ that to make sure that we could get those MRAPs into our soldiers' hands. And, uh, you know, it, it was a game changer in Afghanistan. It really was. Listen up, folks, and particularly the veterans that are out there listening. You know the feeling that I just had as I was listening to General Dix that he is a leader and and that's the quality of a leader is when when you I, I can't imagine how many people have no clue what electrical harness is and yet here is a gentleman that I don't know whether you've ever really installed one for in a car or anything else, but you know what you're talking about. That's the difference in in leadership. And you know, you, you everybody's got to have a quarterback. They may not be the best defensive end in the world, but if they're a quarterback, they make the team work. Mm-hmm. And that's sir, I Oh. Folks, it's tough being across from somebody like General <laughs> Dix. It's, uh, he, I mean, he's a, an amazing man, and he just, you just reek leadership. And uh, I don't know how long I can stand it. It's, uh, no. Well, you know, David, that's that's the conversation I want to have every Monday. I want to talk about the aspects of Desert Shield, Desert Storm, how we got there, the history behind it, uh, what did we learn from it, uh, employ those lessons. Uh, that we learned almost 30 years ago and employ them today. Uh, but more importantly, I want to have a conversation with the listeners out there. And, you know, um, I, I think it's safe to say that we'll take any question oh, absolutely. and uh, we'll have a dialogue. And, you know, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to come on to your show and to have that dialogue. You know, I, I think it's critical. Um, it is the way that you um, make sure you stay on one accord and you avoid the chaos that is really uh, affecting the rest of the world. And, um, you know, it's, it's how you're able to stay on guard when the threat is knocking at the door. You know, one thing about it, first off, if you have a question or you just want to send a thank you note to uh, General Dix, uh, it's going to be... General Dix at americaswebradio.com and uh, he will get them directly we won't even as I mentioned to, to uh, Richard we won't even see them they'll come to you direct mm-hmm. uh, via that email address and uh, you can also go on our website and look up um, Monday afternoons at 1 o'clock mm-hmm. and uh I had to stop and think, what day of the week is it? <laughs> Monday at 1 o'clock, and uh, you can see the beautiful picture of General Dix and, uh, <laughs> and, the, uh, and his bio, and it's quite an impressive bio. And then I also want to encourage people, please go to the Georgia Military Hall of Fame downtown Atlanta mm-hmm. and the and a lot of people in Atlanta didn't know about it and I didn't even know about it right and uh, it is great uh, Colonel White has done a wonderful job as has Paul and I mess up his name can you say it better than me you know I'm talking Paul Langram or Ling, Linger. he's uh, actually a, a chaplain yeah um, I think you got it right um um, God. Well, Paul, I did okay on yeah. the rest of the day. <laughs> anyway, um, they have done a wonderful job, and please respect the military. And if you have a teenage 
son or daughter suggest that they look into it it's everybody for some reason we got to get over this thing too that um if you join the military you're going to be shot at but that there are so many areas of the military that you can choose to go into absolutely and uh, it can it can form the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and uh, not everybody is going to to drive a M1A1 or whatever. Yep. And, uh, um, so, with that being said, um, I think this has been a, a great kickoff and appreciate you coming in and look, oh, yeah. looking forward to many more shows together. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'd like to invite everybody out on the 29th of uh, January. Uh, we're going to be inducting uh, the next 15 into the Georgia Military Veteran Hall of Fame uh, down uh, downtown at the uh, Georgia State Capitol, uh, right across from it. I think it's in the uh, North Tower. And, uh, you know, we've got several uh, distinguished uh, inductees that we're going to unveil their plaques, and they'll go up in the rotunda. Uh, They'll get a chance to meet the governor, and then we'll have the uh, session uh, across the street. And uh, it's great because for the rest of your life, you know, your plaque will be on that wall in the Hall of Fame, and, you know, next generations will get a, hey, you know, I kind of think I knew him or might have come across him or her. It's a great day. Sir, thank you. We're going to have to get out of here and uh, move on, but we'll be back next week on America's Web Radio with Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, our host, General Richard Dix. Thank you for tuning in, and send him an email. Or send us a letter here and we'll take care of it. So with that being said, we're going to put the pug in the jug and get out. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.